I'm Tim Kittrow, and you're tuned in to the Important Nonsense Podcast with Steve Bonham. Attention, Alan Hearn's mom. His knee is better. <laughs> you can stop worrying. Neil Smith. Even with the concussion, as long as he's cleared, probably don't have a better option. Jack Kavanaugh. Raheem Mostair, as I would like to call him. And Jason Draven. Nah, man. Just let's watch some football. Boom shakalaka. Welcome into the Important Nonsense Podcast. I'm your host at Javanaugh87, Jack Kavanaugh, and we are back once again to carry you into another beautiful weekend of NFL football. By the time week nine ends, we will officially be over halfway through the NFL season, which honestly is a travesty. We're going to continue to let the good times roll while we can. And so once again, we welcome back the important nonsense start sit superhero. It's at that FF nerd. It's Jason Draven. Jason, how's it going heading into week nine? Well, the game last night definitely brought it down. So I'm trying to bring it back up and hopefully I can hit some home runs this week. Uh, last night was not pretty at all, but it is pretty to have you back on the show, and it's a joy to get to record with you once again, my friend. Those who listen to the podcast in the past, you already know that at that FF nerd is the place to go for start sit advice. And if you're new to the show, then you'll well quickly learn, and so be sure to toss him a follow, anyways. And it's not only Jason joining me tonight; we witness the return of the always savvy at Donald McJordan. It's Jordan McDonald. Jordan, how do we feel as we sit? over halfway through the fantasy season and just under halfway through the regular season. Uh, we're kind of, you know, in disarray sometimes when we don't know if, if uh, games are actually going to play with all these COVID tests coming up. But it seems like the NFL is trying to steamroll the season. Somebody said that last night in the broadcast when I was watching the Thursday night game, and it seems true. I think it was Jake Glazer. Yeah, the NFL is trying to steamroll it through. Like Jason said, last night was kind of a doozy. I think that Devontae Adams won me one of my leagues and also lost me one of my leagues. So that's going to be fun. Oh, what a joy fantasy football can be sometimes. So be sure to check out Jordan's work and the work of many other talented people over on importantnonsense.com and on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at NonsenseFF. Those who listen to the Week 8 recap show, you heard J- Jordan save the day and fill in for at Dynasty PhD, Dr. John Chancy on the re- Week 8 recap show. It was me, him, and at the real NWB, me, Wallace Bruce. And Jordan's back once again to save our lineups and help you s- save you from Jason getting too out of control. So be sure to follow him at Donald McJordan. And with that, let's get to the show. Packers blew out the 49ers 34-17 in a revenge game for the 37-20 beatdown San Fran put on Green Bay in the NFC Championship. In January, it was the Raheem Mostair show, but with him out, it was all Packers and the return of the Mr. Rogers show. The Packers pulled Aaron Rodgers in the fourth quarter after putting up 305 yards, four touchdowns, and 28.9 fantasy points. Instead of us getting to see Jordan Love, though, we instead saw Tim Boyle, who just handed the ball off. Imagine what could have been with the Packers if they drafted a playmaker instead of a third-string quarterback. Yeah, that just totally shocked me. I, the game was surprising. The fact that Jordan was inactive like blew me away. I'm surprised we saw Boyle instead. And going to say it, I mean, Aaron Rodgers cannot be sat moving forward in fantasy. There's no way. I'm sure he might have an upsetting game or two, but there is no way you can sit him from that performance last night he did it in three quarters he really did it by the half and it was just annoying to watch but at that same point things that are annoying aaron jones being quote unquote limited 
you know, I was expecting to see a lot of Tyler Irving in the passing game and, you know, Dexter Williams getting the handoffs. Nope. Did not happen. And we saw Tyler for a little bit. He got eight rushes for 24 yards and added four receptions on five targets for 48 yards. Like I, the whole thing was just completely messy and I don't understand what was going on there. Yeah. That calf seems to be uh, working well for Aaron Jones. He, Got a lot of he got a lot of the work. He ended up with twenty touches overall. He had fifty-eight yards on the ground and also had five receptions on five targets for twenty-one yards. So assuming with the you know the week and a half that the Packers will have, I'm sure that Aaron Jones will be back to his normal self come next week. Disappointing because he didn't score the touchdown, but whatever. You can't always bank on a touchdown. We keep stressing that. But Devontae Adams just continues to be a stud. Probably the best receiver in the NFL at this point. Scored a touchdown on 10 catches, 173 yards, which was 56.7% of Rodgers' passing yards. Just pure insanity. Marquez Valdez-Scantling also shook off an early drop, ended up with four targets, two receptions, both of which went for tees, and 53 yards. So there's your MVS game for the best ball drafters because ain't nobody was playing Marquez Valdez-Scantling this week. And Mercedes Lewis also caught another score from one yard out. On the other side, though, Nick Mullins went back to stinky Nick Mullins. Completed 62.9% of his passes, 291 yards, mostly in garbage time, and 63.2% of those yards went to Richie James Jr. Also tossed a pick, also probably should have been a couple more in there as well, and had a TD pass, which also went to Richie James Jr. James Jr. was the only 49ers player who did anything, really. Tied for number 11 PPR performance by a wide receiver this season it was ridiculous caught nine balls for 184 and a score 33.4 points in ppr and with richie kendrick Bourne, debo samuel and the ascending alpha brandon Ayuk, if the niners had any interest in developing a passing game they could be unreal but shanahan has no desire for that for now anyways and there's not much for anyone else ross Dwelly was second 52 yards three receptions and then mckinnon 16 yards on three grabs yeah, speaking of Jarek McKinnon, he ended up being the guy in the backfield. You know, he broke all the hearts of the Jermichael Hasey GMs. This this backfield is so so strange with all the injuries they have, and you really don't know who you're going to get as the lead back. It's usually one one running back that they rely on for for most of the game. Although Hasey caught both of his, both of his targets for ten yards and carried the rock just four times for three yards. But yeah, McKinnon, 12 carries for 52 yards, 68 yards total from scrimmage. And he found the end zone right at the end of the game in garbage time to save his day and ruined every, basically ruined the day for anybody who was relying on Hasey for fantasy points. Yeah, that was a heartbreaker for Jamichael Hasey GMs. We're going to finish up the Packers offense. Packers quarterback three, Jordan Love, tested positive for COVID-19 and will quarantine. A.J. Dillon remains on the reserve slash COVID list, as does Jamal Williams. Our thoughts are with them. Alan Lazard also did not make his return from core muscle surgery, but he has been practicing. So another 10 days off, I'd expect him to be playing next week in week 10. Rounding up the 49ers, Kendrick Bourne, Brandon Ayuk, and Trent Williams have all been cleared to return after a false positive caused them to miss the game versus the Packers. Kyle Shanahan also came out and said, Nick Mullins going to continue to be the starter, even though he stunk. And there's also a chance that Raheem Mostair and Debo Samuel might be back next week. We'll see about that. So I want to ask you guys, did any of you guys bite the bullet and start the Packers defense? I know I did, and I was fairly happy with the results. Yeah, I'm sure you would be. I mean, that was a risky play. Just because that it was going to be simple. 
what happened in January because the Ford O line really hadn't changed since the playoff game last year. And after it happened to the Packers get owned last week just by Dalvin Cook, putting up carries and 168 yards, I think. Astounding. But I was expecting a more for the 49 And it just did not. Yeah, I didn't actually get too in on them because they were mostly gone, and I was mostly pivoting primarily to Washington. And I'm thinking it can help this weekend in the matchup against the Giants. So, but Jason, anyone else you think we should be pivoting to for this weekend? Well, not the other side of that ball. The Giants is an option. Last time they met Washington, 13 points. Pretty solid outing. If that's you're really, that's great. That can worry you. Uh, other than that, I mean, the Titans are pretty widely available because there's the Bears and Nick Foles just is an anomaly who I don't know how he makes that offense work or how they manage to win games, but they do. And it's usually just low scoring games. So, yeah, that's, that's not good. I don't love those plays, but it is okay. You know, we are doing what we can out ranking. We've got defenses outside the top 12 we've got defenses. People are completely out on. Remember that's what we're giving you. So I don't love it. I don't hate it, but what I do love is importantnonsense.com and our boss at nonsense underscore Steve, Steve Bonham, because I am a complete shill. With that, we'll take a break here and hear a word from our sponsors. And we are back. And so with the news, the Houston Texans shut down facility on Wednesday after linebacker Jake Martin tested positive for COVID-19. Pass rusher Whitney Merciless and linebacker Dylan Cole are considered close contact and all have been placed on the reserve COVID list and all will miss this weekend. Chicago Bears also shut down on Wednesday after backup offensive tackle Jason Spriggs tested positive, which now has starting right guard Jermaine Effetti deemed close contact. We'll find out Sunday morning if he's playing. Bears also took another hit to their offensive line. They returned to practice on Thursday. Left guard Cody Whitehair tested positive for COVID-19, and they will be cleared to return to practice on Friday as a team, but they will be missing a couple offensive linemen. The Dolphins play slot receiver slash gadget player Lynn Bowden on the reserve slash COVID list, so he will be out for this weekend. And the Bengals, Bengals will be without starting cornerback Trey Wands in backup offensive tackle Fred Johnson, who are also placed on the reserve COVID list. Raiders placed right tackle Trent Brown back on the reserve COVID list, and he's set to miss week nine as well. Raiders were fined 500K. John Gruden was fined about 150K. And the Raiders were stripped of a sixth-round draft pick for multiple COVID violations. And finally, the Colts, Chiefs, and Lions all had staff members test positive. And our thoughts, as always, are with those all those affected by COVID-19, and we hope for a speedy recovery for all. At quarterback, Matthew Stafford was put on the COVID-19 list after being exposed to someone who later tested positive. Stafford has to quarantine, but if he continues to test negative, he'll get the start on Sunday. So the team is Stafford flying in on his own private plane to get him there. And if he's unable to play, we'll be looking at a Chase Daniel or David Blau start. Justin Herbert added to the injury report on Thursday with a throwing shoulder issue, but did practice in full, removed from the injury report on Friday. Some may worry about this, but it sounds like it's a non-story for the weekend. Same cannot be said for Drew Brees, who was working off to the side without pads on Thursday practice thanks to a right shoulder injury. And Sean Payton said on Friday that he's going to be a game-time decision? Do we be looking at a Jameis Winston start in New Orleans? I mean, it's possible, but who really knows? The fact that it's a shoulder really makes me nervous, and I'm just, uh, that makes me very iffy on it, and it... Also don't know who is actually going to be playing because it looked like everybody else practiced today. So it'll be interesting to see if it is Winston, what he even has to throw to. 
Oh, both Breathe and Thomas are reportedly game time decisions with the ankle and hamstring, but both are expected to play according to ESPN's Diana, Diana Russini. So some exciting quarterback news. Our friend Jake Luton, and I hope I'm saying that right, will start week nine as Gardner Minshew got placed on IR with his thumb injury. Luton began his college career at Idaho in 2015 before transferring to Oregon State, where he played in 23 games in three seasons. And he put up 5,228 yards passing and, 20, and 42 touchdowns to just 11 interceptions. So, I mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be tough to play him, but... He is 6'7", though. Keep that in mind. He does look the part, just like Brock Osweiler did. Let's go, Jake Luton. Oh, Gardner Minshew's job once he comes back. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, he is a big dude, but again... The big thing that you're going to like about him is the fact that he is quote-unquote known for the long ball. I mean, you saw it in college. He has a pretty good arm. And if that's the case, it could really make Shark an interesting play this week, especially if they can actually get him further down the field. Would be a real change of pace for the Jaguars. Yeah, we'll see about that. I'm not too sure I want to play any Jags outside of James Robinson. Andy Dalton was placed on the COVID-19 reserve list and will be out this weekend. And it will be a Cooper Rush start or a former quarterback from the Orlando Apollos in the AAF, Double G, Garrett Gilbert starting. They're in a competition right now. I don't know who wins. It doesn't matter for fantasy. Fade all of the Cowboys this week. In terms of Ben DiNucci, though, Jerry Jones admitted just guy just wasn't ready. He's being sad after one start. It's not his fault. Six-round pick out of James Madison. Like He wasn't expecting to start this year. What can you do? Sam Darnold aggravated his shoulder and was sidelined Wednesday, Thursday, made a limited return Friday. Adam Gase feels pretty good about Darnold's chances to play and thinks it's going to take a lot for him to stay out of this game. So prepare for Adam Gase to mishandle yet another shoulder injury. I hate this. So speaking of shoulder injuries, Mitchell Trubisky also suffered an injury to his shoulder after coming in for a little wildcat action in last week's game, and he could be out multiple weeks. He went to L.A. to see a doctor, said he doesn't need surgery, but he is considered week to week. And just when you thought his tenure with the Bears could not be ending in a sadder way, like, how tragic. It is so sad. Poor one out for Mitchell Trubisky. And also the Houston Texans. They signed Josh McCown off the Eagles practice squad, which gives Deshaun Watson a legit backup now. And if he appears for a game for Texans, it will be the 10th team he has taken a snap for. Good for Josh McCown. Love to see that. Moving on to the running backs, Christian McCaffrey has returned to practice. ESPN's David Newton reports McCaffrey being activated from the IR. Seems like a formality. It's going to happen on Saturday, so be prepared for that to happen. And Christian McCaffrey is officially back against the Kansas City Chiefs. Let's go. So how do we feel about starting CMC this week? I mean, you got to play him if you have him. You've been sitting on him for so long. You drafted him with the first overall pick. But what does the workload look like? And is Mike Davis still relevant this week? I do think that Davis has a chance to be relevant, but I'm... Really nervous on it. I think I expect that CMC gets 70% of the work. I mean, it's something that you have to come back from because ankles are really iffy. Granted, he has had a lot of time to recover from it. Just one of those things. And surprisingly, if it does happen, I doubt it will. But if the team gets up, you might actually see Davis get a lot of run to allow CMC to rest, which, you know, it's hard to do against the Chiefs, but it could happen. You never know. 
Yeah, I'm going to say a hard no on the Panthers getting up as much as I love them. It's either going to be a shootout where McCaffrey's on the field the whole time, or they're going to be in catch-up mode trailing some garbage time. Maybe Mike Davis gets in at the end, but no, full in on Christian McCaffrey. He is maybe the most talented running back in the NFL, although Alvin Kamara and Dalvin Cook have had something to say about it this season. Chargers running back Troy Main Pope has cleared concussion protocol after taking a big hit against the Broncos, but still doubtful. There's a chance Anthony Lynn may just sit him to protect him. I don't know, man. He definitely looked like the best back last week, and I don't know if it was just because he was fresh and came out popping or if he wanted to show off or what, but man, he looked super impressive last week. <sighs> Such a homer. You're done on Justin Jackson, done on Joshua Kelly. Oh, I mean, he just looked completely... I mean, it... Could be fresh legs. I have no idea, but he looked explosive coming out of that. It was super impressive, and I love them both, but they aren't looking good right now, and I don't know if it's because they're throwing much. I wouldn't much say or Justin whole... Jackson's not looking good. I mean, he's topping over 100 yards lately. We were, I think we were wrong. I think Justin Jackson's the guy. Anyways, moving on to the Saints, Alvin Kamara, dealing with a minor foot injury that caused him to mispractice on Wednesday. Said he's dealing with basically a stubbed toe. Kamara doesn't seem early, or doesn't seem worried about it. Returned to get a full practice on Thursday. Still the RB1 in the league, even with McCaffrey coming back. Ezekiel Elliott popped up on the injury report with a hamstring. Gets in a limited session Wednesday and Thursdays, working off to the side, doing some rehab work. We'll see Kellen Moore says it's a wait-and-see thing on what his workload's going to be against the Steelers. Officially questionable, Ezekiel Elliott's fall from grace has not been pretty. Well, I mean, to be fair, they've had a couple of old linemen go out. I mean, I think it's their right and left guard were both out this past week. And, man, unsurprisingly, with his fall from grace, Tony Pollard has looked a lot better. I mean, I was expecting him to have a lot of use this year, and it just hasn't happened. But it's starting to. You're starting to see him get more usage. And if you haven't already, you need to grab him as a handcuff for the upcoming playoffs. You know what's funny, Jason, is you actually picked the two guys who actually did play for the Cowboys, the right and left guard. They're missing their starting center, their second string center, their backup, or their starting left tackle, their starting right tackle, and their third string, or their backup tackle for both positions. It was a tackle. That's what it was. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Thanks. Uh, anyways, I do co-sign that Tony Pollard move. And Mark Ingram didn't practice this week with a high ankle sprain. Officially doubtful. And the Ravens are usually pretty clear with their injury report moves. Questionable and practicing means go. Doubtful means no go. So on to the Indianapolis Colts running backs. We all know Jonathan Taylor. He's been uh, dealing with an ankle, uh, ankle issue. But he has been practicing a little bit of fashion. And he could... Could be the reason he's been running, running so hesitant. Jordan Wilkins got most of the load last week, but now he's limited with a groin injury. I don't think you can play any of these guys against the Ravens. It's a tough defense, and you know the injuries scare me. Both are upgraded to full on Thursday, but you know, Naeem Hines scored two touchdowns last week, and he could have some more upside, especially in PPR this week. Josh Jacobs did not practice Thursday with knee and illness. Also promoted Theo Riddick to the active roster from the practice squad, so keep an eye on that just in case. I'm confident he'll play. This has happened before, but a little bit worried with that move. Yeah. In the case he doesn't, I would still grab Devontae Booker, which I hate to say, but he definitely seemed like the guy when Jacobs has been out. So Darrell Henderson is expected to be fine after leaving the game with a quad slash thigh injury against the Dolphins, according to Sean McVay. McVay says not to expect it to linger into Seattle, so it looks like Cam Akers is not going to matter again because McVay hates him. Philip Lindsay did not practice on Wednesday, but he returned Thursday and Friday for limited sessions and is expected to play according to Vic Fangio. And based on what we saw last week, 
he's starting to still carry some Melvin Gordon. I don't know if Melvin Gordon is starting to become obsolete and what and Lindsay's starting to to be the one A, one B sort of thing. So watch out for that. Also, Devontae Freeman did not practice Wednesday with an ankle injury and did return on Thursday, but often they decided to not test it. So we'll see a way we'll see a mix of Wayne Gallman, Deion Lewis, and somehow Alfred Morris, who is still in the league. I can't believe he's still in the league. Giants backfield is a mess. The definition of a hodgepodge. I'm really hoping that doesn't come become the case in New England because Sony Michelle is back at practice. Pardon me. And just when Damian Harris started to be relevant, like, give me a break. Whoa, you guys need to hold your horses here because, man, Harris is still getting the majority. He is the monster. He's looked so much better than pretty much any other offensive piece in New England. I totally agree with you. I'm just worried. I'm, it scares me seeing Sony back, back from the dead. Another news, though, Chris Carson out with the foot sprain. Carlos Hyde remains out with the hamstring. Travis Homer got in a limited session Thursday and Friday. Officially questionable. Might be looking at another week of heavy DJ Dallas. Also have Alex Collins, the former Raven Seahawk. Could be signed off the practice squad and active for the game. We'll see about that. Pete Carroll says he's very comfortable with that idea. And Bo Scarborough will also be trying out for the team. Staying in the NFC West, Kenyon Drake missed Wednesday and Thursday practice with an ankle injury. Likely still has to miss some time. So Chase Edmond, he's going to be the guy this week. And I am so excited for it because I have been on Chase Edmonds all year. I have been wanting him to get started. And so I think he is a more talented back. And I'm hoping that this year we get to see it. And he just goes beast mode. Oh, Edmonds is the freaking man. Also seventh round pick out of Arizona State, you know, Benjamin. Dynasty deep sleeper favorite of ours. Could see some action as well. Also saw Miles Gaskin has been placed on the IR with the MCL sprain. He's expected to miss three games. Matt Breida suffered a hamstring injury that caused him to miss Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Officially will not play in week nine. Miami traded for DeAndre Washington. He's not going to be up on the playbook though. And that means it is Patrick Laird season. Let's go. So Laird no. in eight games, yes, in eight games last year, 28 targets, two and a half targets a game at 20, or sorry, 2.9 receptions a game, 23 receptions. And with all that, that was Ryan Fitzpatrick at QB. Now we get Tua checking the ball down to Mr. Laird. He couldn't have a better offense going forward. He's been working with Tua on the second team. Remember that. In PPR, you could do a lot worse than Patrick Laird. And Jordan Howard, yeah, he's probably going to have four carries, one-yard touchdown, and that's it. Guys, I have to admit something. I think I have a problem. I just can't get enough of Jordan Howard. You know, he's got a chance here to make an impact, although the previous healthy scratches worry me that the Dolphins truly hate him. And I'm not going to advise you to play him this week, but I just hope that he just runs buck wild all over the Cardinals and just shocks the world. I really hope that happens. I mean, we have seen it. That's part of the reason that I am actually really comfortable playing Howard. I think he gets a lot of the goal line work. And while he may not be used in the passing game, he does have that ability, whether they want to admit it or not. So it could be definitely interesting to see if he, how much work he actually gets. Captain, check down to a tug of Aloha and Patrick Laird are going to be best friends, guys. I don't know what to tell you. Moving on to wide receiver, though, Chris Godwin practiced all week coming off the broken finger. Going to make his return this week, and the Bucks have listed him as questionable anyways. And Antonio Brown is making his Tampa Bay debut this weekend. Aaron's unsure of how much he's going to play. Well, you easily know the answer is going to be as much as Tom Brady wants him to play. I mean, if he is able to understand the playbook and needs to be used at all, he is going to be on the field. 
And Deontay Johnson will also be on the field full participant on Wednesday. Looks like he's back to 100% for the Steelers. We've also seen the return of Dolphins wide receiver Antonio Callaway return to practice. Callaway was up and down with the Browns before being released for off-field issues. Was expected to play in the XFL, tore his ACL. Now eight months removed from the ACL surgery, coming off an eight-game suspension. Could Antonio Callaway find a role as the Dolphins burner? That is the question. No. I mean, Jakeem Grant's there. So if you want to burn, that's who I would go with. Yeah, you're probably right. But we had to talk about it anyways. Michael Thomas back at practice in a limited capacity with the high ankle sprain and hamstring injuries. Listed as questionable going into Sunday's game. As we talked about, though, he's expected to play. Manuel Sanders also back at practice after being on the reserve COVID list. Marquez Callaway is also back at practice. And again, Thomas is expected to play. But just imagine Jameis slinging it to Manny Sanders, Marquez, the next Colston Callaway, and Traquan Smith with Michael Thomas. Giddy also saw the return of running back wide receiver returner Ty Montgomery. He's back from the IR, which means nothing to us without an injury. Yeah. And I mean, I struggle to trust Michael Thomas at this point. He really seems to be mirroring what AJ green did last year. And so that makes me super nervous. I don't know if it's because of the ankle or if it's something else behind the scenes, but I'm really struggling to trust Michael Thomas at all at fantasy. Sticking in the NFC South, Calvin Ridley did not practice at all this week and his list is questionable. Although head coach Raheem Morris said Ridley is, quote, in a good spot to suit up, even though he's not practicing. We saw Julio do this earlier, but Ridley isn't Julio. Yeah, that's a big question mark. We did see A.J. Brown take his usual Thursday off, but he's good to go on Friday. Wheels up on A.J. Brown. Adam Humphreys, though, was held out of practice all week with the concussion he sustained against the Bengals. He is officially out. Jameson Crowder didn't practice on Thursday or Friday with the groin injury. He'll have until Monday night against the Patriots to heal up. So we're going to figure out what's going on in this Monday night stinker based on the Saturday practice reports. So, and I know he hasn't played in the last two games, but I could really use the Jameson Crowder play this week in one of my leagues because of all the injuries and the bye weeks that I have to deal with. But it's so tough to rely on him to suit up Monday with all the backup options on these teams that you have to pick from if he doesn't play. I'm just more impressed with the fact that they are keeping this as a primetime game. Why Why would you do that to us? It's so mean. It is so mean. I hate it. Anthony Miller did not participate Wednesday with a toe injury after leaving the Bears and targets against the Saints. Returned to practice and is limited. T.Y. Hilton suffered a groin injury last week. Didn't practice at all this week. He's officially doubtful. And second-year wide receiver Ashton Doolin has already been ruled out with a knee injury. Sterling Shepard was limited thir- Wednesday, Thursday with shoulder and toe injuries. Expect to be good to go on Sunday. Kenny Galladay was, is out with a hip issue. Nikhil Harry did not practice after suffering concussion early against the Bills and is not expected to play on Sunday. Jeff Ford was traded to the Patriots, although he is not available this week. Although I would stash Ford if he's available in any of your deeper leagues. Hopefully he can somewhat revamp this offense and not become a Mohamed Sanu 2.0. Moving into tight ends. Logan Thomas had a limited practice Wednesday with an ankle, but it was upgraded to full on Thursday. And Austin Hooper is out for the week due to the Browns' bye, but he has returned to practice, so you can probably see him back in action in Week 11. Which means if you're looking right now, you're going to drop somebody, or if he's dropped Sunday morning, pick him up. Because as I said on the waiver show, he is going to be very useful going forward. Moving into our kickers, the Titans tried out former Rams kicker Slam Sloman, who was recently cut, and Giorgio Tavecchio, who kicked for the Falcons in 2018 and the Raiders in 2017, looking like they might move on from Gaskowski. Cowboys punter Chris Jones needs surgery for a core, core muscle. Going to miss multiple games, so just add that to the list of the awful things in Dallas. And if you're a kicker in kicker trouble that heading into the weekend, though, who should we be looking to start? 
I mean, it's your boy, Goggles here. Rodrigo Blankenship is still under 50% owned. He gets the Ravens this week, where we should be able to move the ball, and Reich will want to score no matter what, so Goggles will be kicking some balls. Oh, I just love that. I just Every week, Rodrigo Blankenship, let's fire him up. Yeah, you have to at this point. The other guy is Joey Sly against the Chiefs. The Panthers are another team that is going to need to put up points any way possible. I think they can move the ball with Sam Anderson. All of them are going to have a lot of usage, and but at the same point, they could be stalling in the red zone, and so they'll have to kick a field goal. Works out great for Joey. Uh, see, I'm just all in on the Rodrigo. You said his name, and I am in. Gotta love Rodrigo Blankenship. Gotta love a break as well as we kick it to a word from our sponsors. Our friends at Monkey Knife Fight combine the fun and excitement of Vegas with DFS to make the ultimate daily fantasy prop game. That's right, and there are three ways for you to play. Stat Shootout, Rapid Fire, and more or less. Stat Shootout, you put together a two- or three-player team that will accumulate the most of whatever stat you've chosen to play. Touchdowns, total yards, receptions, etc. Then you choose one of three target goals for that stat. If your team exceeds your chosen goal, you'll win. And the higher the target goal, the more you win. So if I choose a three-man team for touchdowns, I can set the target at one and a half touchdowns to pay out one and a half times the entry fee. Or I can go big with a target of three and a half touchdowns to pay out 15 times the entry fee. Obviously, you gotta go big or go home. Then we've got Rapid Fire, where you select your team by choosing the highest scoring player in multiple head-to-head matchups of statistical categories, like who has more receptions this week, Julio or Devontae Adams. Each contest will tell you how many matchups you need to get right in order to win. But like we said, the higher risk, the higher the reward. Yep, I only need to get two out of three matchups right, and I win 1.5 times my entry. But then, when I go all in, and I can get five out of five, I'm looking at 15 times the payout. I can buy a lot of Josh Jacobs jerseys with that money. You sure can. Finally, there's more or less. Depending on the contest, you'll be given two to six players and their statistic target for that game, like Austin Eckler with over under four and a half receptions against the Raiders. You have to decide if that player is going to get more or less than that target number. Just like the others, more or less increases the payout the more risk you take. However, it offers the highest return. You can go two for two and get 1.5 times the payout, or you've got the nerve you can attempt to go six for six and hit 30 times the payout. So many Josh Jacobs jerseys. Well, the only thing better than winning money from Monkey Knife Fight is getting money from Monkey Knife Fight for free. I do love free. Just go to Monkey Knife Fight to sign up for a free account. When you make your first deposit, use promo code NONSENSE and Monkey Knife Fight will match your deposit up to $50. This is literally playing with house money, guys. Go sign up on Monkey Night Fight with the promo code NONSENSE and get in on the action this weekend. We are back, and I am slowly working on my control issues and getting with handing the show off to Jason, but that's only because he hasn't been too outlandish as of late. So before I stop talking and it officially becomes Jason time, I'll give a quick reminder. We're starting with quarterbacks, which means trust is our quarterbacks currently ranked in the top 12 in the Fantasy Pros Expert Consensus Ranking, rostered in under 50% of leagues. And our bus, on the other hand, QBs right inside the top 12 of the ECR, we believe will miss expectations. So with that, it's time for trust or bust with the nerve. Yeah, thanks for that, Jack. But we're starting off with somebody I'm just really struggling with. It's Drew Locke. He's going up 
against a team that gives up 26.9 fantasy points to a quarterback in the Atlanta Falcons. Locke showed what he can do as he led a comeback last week and lit up the Chargers. Even if it wasn't quote-unquote garbage time, he somehow was able to pull it out, and I was super annoyed. The past two games, he has been right around 250 yards, and I think this week he actually has to throw more. At that same point, his completion percentage has slowly been trending up since injury, so I think this week he finds the end zone more, has to throw more, and should have more success. I'm surprised you can let go of that Chires Chargers bias after Drew Locke handed you that L this weekend. So Drew Locke coming out publicly to warn everyone, get used to the dance moves. They're not going to stop. And I don't know if that's true for the long term, but there's no way that the Falcons can stop Drew Locke from busting a move on Sunday. So Jason, are you saying this pick is your lock of the week? Now, I'm not the biggest Drew Locke fan, but if there's any week that you should play him, it's against this Falcons defense. So I'll have to agree with you on this one. Yeah, the next guy is somebody we've already brought up. It's Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, there are two possibilities in this game. The team is chasing points, and Teddy Bridgewater has to throw to catch up. Or it's a back-and-forth battle between these two teams. The Chiefs isn't horrible as they allow 20.5 fantasy points to quarterbacks. But at the same point, we never know what... Panther team we're going to get so in a high scoring affair I'm hoping that it's a bounce back for Teddy after down week last week that was just a shocker to everybody Teddy two gloves let's go so shootout points are the ideal scenario but garbage time points still count too so no matter what the game script this weekend it's a win-win for Teddy Bridgewater I'm in on this yeah, you just have to hope that the Panthers are either catching up or they're playing in garbage time. And the Chiefs defense, though, they're better than advertised, so there is some risk involved. But you could definitely do worse this week. I'm also encouraged with CMC coming back, so that'll definitely help Teddy's cause. Yeah, I'm worried about it, too, because LeJarrius Sneed comes back, and that always makes me a little iffy. But moving into bus, we have Ben Roethlisberger. Dallas somehow only allows 19.2 fantasy points to quarterbacks. The Cowboys are so bad on defense and have been just ugly to watch on offense while Ben may reach 200 passing yards this week I see him only having to pass for one maybe two touchdowns other than that the running backs are likely to put up 100 yards each and I expect at least one pick six for that defense or at least another turnover there has to be something there for that Pittsburgh defense that has just been amazing yeah, it's easy to get sucked in against the Cowboys' terrible secondary, but they've got an equally terrible run game. So Ben's going to have two touchdowns under 200 yards for the second week in a row. James Conner's going to get like 38 carries, end up with like 45 yards, not 100 like you said. Yeah, I'm feeling this could be a trap game. In terms of big bed managers, not for the Steelers, won't need to do much in order to win this one, which means his passing numbers may not be where you want them to be. So yeah, proceed with caution. Yeah, it definitely looks like this team is moving to 8 now. So with that in mind, we're moving on to the next guy, Ryan Tannehill. The Bears are only allowing 16.1 fantasy points to quarterbacks. Beyond that, Tannehill has been struggling the past two weeks. He has put up 17.3 fantasy points, which, granted, isn't horrible, but I still think he continues to struggle. And again, this is a great week for Henry. I think it could be a game that he just takes over with A.J. Brown's value going to be down this week i don't think he's going to have a lot of success Corey davis and johnny smith have a lot of shot of being fantasy relevant this week for your teams oh i really hope joe smith is fancy relevant this this game but i always fade the qbs that are playing the bears they they are legit the, the opposing quarterbacks don't play well so yeah there's this one's going to be tough for sure 
But as we move forward into running back, just a quick reminder that our trusts are RBs who are outside the top 24 in the ECR. So an RB3 or lower that we're trusting in our alliance for week nine. And our busts are players inside the top 24 that we think will miss expectations. Yeah, and this one I am slowly becoming less and less confident on. But as DJ Dallas, I still think he gets a majority of the carries if Homer plays. And with Carson out and I guess potentially Collins playing because Pete Carroll says, sure, why not? Let's do this. So Dallas showed up last week in a pinch and did very well in a similar situation this week. I expect more of the same. I do think that he actually loses passing work to good old Homer there, but it's just one of those things that he has been impressive. And I think in the red zone, he can be very useful. He could easily be a TD guy this week. And this is actually an area that the bills are really bad along 24.5 fancy points per game to the running backs. Yeah. Hyde is set to be out. Carson is out. Travis Homer is a question mark. So last week we saw a fullback Nick Ballore get a little bit involved. They're so depleted. Even if their Dallas isn't good, only 2.3 yards to carry, 3.4 yards of reception last week. It doesn't matter because the running back in Seattle is going to get valuable touches on the goal line. That's just how good the offense is. Yep, you're right. If he's a starter for Seattle, you probably have to start him in a game that might be a shootout. And there's plenty of opportunity for DJ. Wow, DJ Dallas. Hard for me to say. I feel like that's a great name for a rapper. I'm pretty sure that Jerry Jones already has a patent on that name. So, yeah, if 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 he starts and we don't see any Alex Collins or anything like that, could be a good play. Yeah, the next guy I'm even more worried about because wow. You never saw this one coming, but it's Jordan Howard. I mean, with Brita likely out, I think he is a goal line guy. They have Patrick Laird, like, uh, I guess, uh, I guess Jack loves, but again, whatever. Cardinals allow 24.5 fantasy points to the running back position. I am worried about this. I could see him falling into the end zone or shockling. He ends up being the Jordan Howard that we saw with the Eagles, who has talent. Shocking. He could even catch balls. It'd be even more impressive. But ideally, he sets the world on fire with his fresh legs. Either way, of the running backs that are in Miami, I want it to be Jordan Howard. And you are wrong because it is Patrick Laird. Season, going to catch like eight balls. End of story. Jason, don't listen to the haters. You and me, us against the world, Jordan Howard. I wouldn't start him, but I completely respect your opinion here. You wouldn't start him. You're killing me here, man. But we'll move into bust, and it's going to be easy for me because it's Todd Gurley. Besides the fact that over the past week, he has been over 2.8 yards per carry. That's that's it. He's been averaging 2.8 yards per carry. That's all you need to know. His workload is going down. Other than that, Denver only gives up 16.8 fantasy points to the running back position behind, oh wait, only the Steelers and the team. No thank you. Yeah, there's just no running back that's more touchdown dependent than Todd Gurley at this point. Complete fade. Yeah, no kidding. And he's still fending off touches from Brian Hill. So he's not even getting a full workload. It's tough. If he doesn't get a touchdown, he's pretty much obsolete. Yeah, and Brian Hill looks super good. So with that in mind, we'll go on to the next guy who looked good at the beginning of the year or for parts of this year, but it's Ronald Jones. With him splitting work and against a decent run defense in the Saints, they're only allowing 19.9 fancy points per game to running backs. I mean, Fournette has really taken over, and I'm just worried that, you know, they don't need Jones as much in a game that is going to be pretty competitive. They'll use Fournette more. So that's where I'm going. I have nothing to add here. So Fournette's already the nickelback, as Bruce Arians calls it, which means he's going to get all the targets. And after Rojo's fumble, there's a chance we never see him back again. 
Hey, hey, Fournette's gonna be a rock star. And unlike Nickelback, Fournette's actually starting to get the respect that he actually deserves. Seems like the better option PPR if he is the quote-unquote Nickelback. And Jones just seems to be a cog in this crowded offense and a borderline TD-dependent option it starts, it's starting to feel like. I love that Arians has a position called Nickelback. I'm going to make that joke every single week. And that brings us to receivers. Just a quick reminder that our trust at receiver, we're playing guys who are outside the top 36, so a wide receiver four or lower in the ECR that we can start this week, and our buster receivers that are inside the top 36 that we expect to miss expectations. Yeah, so starting off with our trust here, it's Russell Gage. I'm really leaning this way because Ridley is out. My only issue is I don't know if it will be him or Hayden Hurst getting more of the looks, but both have a shot to score a touchdown. Denver allows 31.5 fancy points per game to wide receivers on average. That's awesome. I'm sure that Julio likely takes two-thirds of that, but Gage should get the rest. And with pretty much all the options in the world with Ryan actually looking great with Julio back, the potential to score is definitely there, and it is so plus for him. So we acknowledged this earlier that Raheem Morris says that Calvin Ridley is in a good place. We don't know if he'll be active, so the only way I play Gage, if Ridley is officially ruled out, and I still really wouldn't feel great about it, but I, I acknowledge the upside, so maybe? Yeah, and another one that is really uh, dependent on the quarterback is going to be Danny Amendola. I know, this is ugly. I'm guessing that it's Chase Daniels. That's why I'm going with Danny Amendola here. He'll be one of the guys who's closer to the line of scrimmage, one of the short area targets that he'll feed off of. I think this also helps Swift in the offense here. He'll get a lot of touches. With Hall and Hawkinson both stretching the field, that gives it a better shot with Daniels. If it's Blau, I would actually go to Quintus Cephas or maybe even Hall. But again, I think that it's going to be Chase Daniels. And with that in mind, it's a great matchup as the Vikings give up 44.6 fancy points per game to the wide receiver. Yeah, I can't get on board with this at all. There's a good chance you're right with Kenny Galladay out, but I do think Stafford is going to be back with the private jet they're flying him in on. And Danny Amendola just shouldn't be getting snaps in the NFL at this point. The Lions are an embarrassment, and just feed TJ Hawkinson, please. Yeah, I'm going to agree with Jack here. Even with Stafford not there, it's just too risky. There's too many mouths to feed, even with Galladay out. Like you said, they have the, all these other options, and you know, hoping for Danny Amendola fancy points isn't a place I'd really want to be this Sunday, or any Sunday for that matter. Yeah, well, speaking of players that you don't want to trust, we're looking at Bus here, and it's Mike Williams. He is literally on a roulette wheel. Outside of Keenan Allen, it is impossible to tell who Herbert is going to throw to because he uses everyone. Literally everyone is in play, and I'm curious to see how the Raiders decide to try and defend this offense because the Chargers have a lot of, somehow, a lot of options here with Guyton, Johnson, Reed, Moore, Hill, Henry, Jackson, Pope, and Kelly. Holy cow, that's a lot. We know that Allen and Henry will see targets. Outside of that, who knows? This team is just fun to watch right now, and while I hate the fact that Lynn keeps stalling them, I just really hope they can fin- figure out how to finish, and it should be too its too much in the air for me to trust Mike Williams moving forward. Yeah, he's a perma-bust for me at this point. I know he did have the big last week, but it's just random. Justin Herbert's going to feed Keenan Allen, and he's going to spread it around everywhere else, and I mean everywhere. Anyone's in play this week. It just depends on who's going to get a touchdown outside of Keenan Allen. Yeah, the only safe pass catching options on the Chargers are Keenan Allen, like I said, and maybe Hunter Henry. Even at tight end, that's still pretty safe. You could get lucky if you decide to play Williams, but nothing's guaranteed. It's just, it's you're like, it, you made a good point. It's like a roulette, so yeah, a little bit risky. Yeah, and again, talking about roulette wheels, it's Juju Smith-Schuster. I mean, Juju is used 
in games that are more competitive. He was used last week when I thought it would be Johnson because it, like I said, more competitive games. Johnson seems to just be the one who constantly gets targets no matter what the game script. But if it could easily, of course, beat either Johnson or Claypool at any point, and I'm leaning on Claypool and Ebron as the ones who actually score this week. Well, I won't concede to the Ebron talk, but it seems like that Juju has conceded the wide receiver one role. Well, I'd say he probably split in thirds with him, Deontay and Claypool, depending on the week. So he's only really a flex, a flex option in this one, to be honest. And we already think that Ben's not going to throw as much, so that's even more of a reason not to not to trust him as much. That's going to bring us to tight end, and I really, really hope there's no Eric Ebron talk. But just a reminder, our trust are players outside the top 12 that are rostered in under 50% of leagues that we like this week, and our buster players inside the top 12 on Fantasy Pros Expert Consensus Rankings that we believe will miss expectations. Hey, Jack, my first trust, your favorite person, Trey Burton. He is my eternal start at this point. I mean, I can't stop this kid because he has Rivers throwing to him. They keep mixing it up and finding ways to get him the ball. Somehow even allowing him to rush for touchdowns, which is just so bad for Taylor or Wilkins or whoever is deciding to run the ball behind him. Other than that, I mean, it's just impressive because Rivers loves his tight end and this game's going to be tough. So I expect there to be a heavy dose of Burton as River has to throw. Every time you bring this up, I am literally forced to agree with you and I die a little bit inside every single time. So thank you for that, Jason. I am all on the Trey Burton bandwagon i know that jason seems to have left the mo alley cox fan club and saddled up to burton he seems like the the tight end one in indy as of right now still a little up in the air jack doyle had a touchdown last week so he could be coming back but you know trey burton he's start he's starting to be the guy so if you're gonna pick a tight end on indy it's probably gonna be trey burton this week well i mean you have to trey burton is the leading tight end on the team that's the whole reason i like him i actually like mo alley cox a lot but so the other trust is Logan Thomas here with Enman potentially out and Sims coming off an injury. Thomas should continue his target share. It should be in a decent role with both of them being iffy. If he finds the end zone, which he should because the past three weeks he has, and I know that's probably going to jinx him and he won't find the end zone, making this a complete bust, but whatever, he should be a decent play and has a chance to score this week. I feel like we haven't been espousing our love enough for Logan Thomas lately. I get he was on bye last week, but the two weeks before the bye, tight end three, 14.6 points per game, behind only Gronk, who is back, baby, and George Kittle, who's out now. Death taxes and Jason pounding the table for a Washington football team pass catcher that isn't Terry McLaurin. I hate you so much. (laughs) (laughs) Moving into bus, though, it's Evan Ingram. I know. I can't help myself. He has the best chance of having a big week this week, which means he is likely to poo-poo in the bed. I would like to look anywhere else for a tight end. It is not going to be Evan Ingram for me this week. Dropped 10.2% of his catchable targets in his career and 11.4% of his catchable targets in his this season. He's so bad. Yeah, I, I, but he's not the worst option. And with Golden Tate not going to play... I mean, you could do better, but it's it's not terrible. I, I, I would start him if I'm that desperate, though. Yeah, and I completely get that. But I just, ugh, it's so hard to watch him play. The other guy I'm looking at who, I don't know what they're thinking there, but it's Jared Cook. I just can't trust him. He continues to burn me. I play him the wrong week each week, and I, I just, I can't. So he'll probably have a big week this week. But if everyone else is healthy, like it's looking they're going to be, I'm not trusting Cook again. Yeah, especially Michael Thomas coming back. His value is just completely plummeted. 
you know, the tight end position is so bare, so I can't suggest fading him completely in a game that could be high scoring. So I'm not completely off Jared Cook yet, but this game should uh, really change my mind if things go south. And that's going to do it from us here on the Important Nonsense Podcast. Hopefully we've been able to help you sift through the news, set your lineups, and now you can feel confident heading into week nine thanks to the formerly erratic and now consistently phenomenal Jason Draven. Jason, do you have any parting words for all the people who are no doubt set to profit off of all your advice this weekend? Yeah, don't at me. No, I'm kidding. But seriously, I'm just excited to watch football on Sunday because Monday is going to be trash. I am not looking forward to watching that game whatsoever. So hopefully I'll find something else to do on Monday and I hope you all enjoy your weekend. Pleasure as always as late and be sure to follow Jason at that FF nerd for all your start state advice and check out his waiver wire show on YouTube. I'm not sure if you're so great now because you feel pressure trying to show off now that we've got Jordan on the show. But it's been great working with both of you lately. Once again, thank you for coming back, Jordan. Do you have any final thoughts or parting words of wisdom for all of our listeners out there? Yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks again, Jack and Jace, for having me on the show. It's always a great time when I can talk football with you guys and just enjoy your Sunday. Wonderful to have you back and be sure to follow him everywhere at Donald McJordan and be sure to check out the work of Jordan, Jason, and myself, along with all the other intelligent people over at importantnonsense.com and on all the socials at NonsenseFF. I've been your host at Javanaugh87, Jack Cavanaugh, and it continues to be my honor getting to break down the weekend slate for you. Stay safe, wear a mask, enjoy another glorious weekend of NFL football, and most importantly, don't forget to keep up the nonsense. Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevier. I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz, and you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!